Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to TCK Care, the podcast where we offer stories, strategies, and support to third culture kids in all walks of life all around the world. And we have a good time having a conversation, talking about interesting things, hearing super cool stories in the meantime. Today, I want to talk about emotional availability. And this is something that I believe is a vital part of existence for everyone. I think that it is all the more important now as we are going through some of us coming out of quarantine and um, struggling, wrestling, uh, adapting to, um, you know, having distance from people, um, finally getting to reconnect with people, um, just sharing in an emotional experience, even reconnecting can be an, uh, a, a, a large set of emotions, right? Even though they're good, it can still be overwhelming. Um, note to self, emotions are neither good nor bad. They just are. <laughs> I had to correct myself there. I, didn't, I don't know if you are, have been listening to the podcast, but we had, have had these conversations before. And I caught myself... Um, talking about emotions as if they're good or bad. So um, remembering to thank Reese for uh, teaching me a little bit more about emotions. Speaking of emotional availability, I just read this really interesting article on Fox Valley Institute. I can share a link in my show notes on Anchor, um, TCK Care, uh, Patreon, etc. Um, so please do check that out. Uh, but the article was talking all about emotional availability. It's a really cool article. Give some ideas for um, what emotional emotional availability means, what it looks like, and then how to um, a, a couple techniques to practice improving your emotional availability if that's something that you really struggle with. Uh, but the gist of the uh, the meat of the article, what I would say, uh, it talks about how emotional availability is um, just the ability of people to share feelings with each other. And, um, and it points out that in order for this to happen, uh, number one, you have to have somebody to share feelings with. But number two, you have to be in touch with your own feelings. Because if you're not in touch with your own feelings, then um, it's like a bridge that is only touching ground on one side. It just It's just not going to work. Um, you both have to be in touch with your own feelings to really make that bridge, to have that emotional connection, to be available with each other. And the other person likewise has to be in touch with their emotions. And if they're not, you can be in touch with your emotions all you want. You can be open and out there, uh, but it's only going to get you so far and could possibly lead to some frustration. Uh, But I think that uh, I wonder if... TCKs in general struggle a little bit with emotional availability uh, for several reasons. For one, um, third culture kids tend to grow up in a highly mobile environment. And this isn't always true, um, but I feel like the majority of people that I'm talking to, I think that I think this will be the case. Um, if it's if if a, a third culture kid uh, is not mobile, uh, in and of his own, his or her own experience, um, the global community just uh, has a tendency to um, to host and attract uh, mobility, so that people around them are going to be moving. And in uh, mobility, 
we have to say goodbye. We have to say lots and lots of goodbyes. And I've heard time and again on the podcast and in conversations that goodbye is one of the hardest parts of being a third culture kid. Um, the uh, Michael Pollock, when he was on the show talking about what a third culture kid is, and that's episode number one, by the way. If you haven't yet, go back and listen to it. Definitely phenomenal conversation. Michael Pollock is the man. Anyhow, he's talking about how third culture kids oftentimes go through more relational loss in their first 18 years of life than the average person does in their entire life. And so goodbye is one of the hardest parts of being a third culture kid. Um, it just, there's so much sadness that happens and you really have to process that sadness. And even if you do process it, um, there's just a lot of um, relational loss, possibly relational trauma, um, certainly a lot of pain and uh, and sadness that goes along with the third culture kid experience. Um, I wonder if my hypothesis is that saying that many goodbyes um, leads to some emotional callousing. Um, not that uh, third culture kids are uh, hard-hearted a lot. A hard-hearted lot, there we go. But third culture kids, I think uh, we tend to... Um, you tend to kind of get used to it, right? Like you never get used to it, never feels good, but there's uh, the possibility that after a certain number of goodbyes, after a while, um, you can start to push down those feelings um, to turn them off a little bit, um, to sort of muscle through them and and just ignore them instead of processing them it, if you don't ignore them then you have to don't you don't have to deal with them right if you ignore them you don't have to feel them and if you're feeling an ex extraordinary amount of sadness then what's what could be better uh, than suppressing it uh, until it comes out sideways um which it does uh i the heart doesn't let you forget so um it does come out but um, in the moment, uh, we tell ourselves that we tell ourselves that's not true. We tell ourselves that we can get away with um, just ignoring these difficult feelings forever. Um, that if we ignore them in the moment, they'll never come back. They'll never resurface. We'll be free of the pain and, and sadness that um, is a natural byproduct of saying goodbye. Um, so I think that TCKs possibly um, can have difficulty being emotionally available. Uh, because we're just out of touch with our emotions. Um, just because we have turned them down, because we have... Um, it, it's almost like emotional fatigue or something. Um, there's just been too much of them. Uh, a lot of transients um, can, uh, can make it difficult to trust. I think that it's a natural byproduct of um, having people say goodbye and being the one to say goodbye to others that after a while it becomes difficult to trust in relationships. Um, I think this may be partially because you don't have enough time to um, let relationships run a natural course. Um, I have heard it suggested, and I don't know if this is a cultural thing or if this is uh, if this is a normal thing that um, relationships as they as they progress as they take time um, you kind of start off you start off shallow naturally start off shallow um, when you first meet someone you go through the cultural 
and the culturally normative um, greetings and superficial conversations, and it stays at that superficial level, um, exchanging pleasantries, that sort of thing. Um, and over time, as you um, as you begin to increase trust, you share more and more information with this person that you're in relationship with. Um, you share more and more uh, emotions um, very gradually, um, building up to a place where you trust someone with your real self, with your real thoughts, with your feelings. Um, you trust that you will have dissenting opinions, but you can share them anyways because um, you've spent enough time working on your relationship to know that they're not going to have um, a really strong adverse reaction adverse did I say the right adverse adverse I'll look it up later uh, they're not going to have a really strong reaction they're not going to hurt you if you have dissenting emotions um, you value each other enough to work through things um, but if we're in a transient uh, culture atmosphere environment whatever um, we don't have time to progress through relationships and to start off superficial and to build into a deep deep uh, lasting, uh, enduring sense of trust. So what we do is we go deep quickly, and then we sort of plateau at this uh, uh, a, a pretend intimacy, a pretend vulnerability. It is intimate, and it is vulnerable, but only to a certain level. And we don't really trust people. And so the emotions that we share are not our true emotions. They're not, um, they're not what you would say if you're going to be unfiltered. Um, which is not to say that uh, being unfiltered is uh, the greatest good. It's just I think that everybody needs somebody to be unfiltered with. Um, you need you need some safe relationships where you can be your real self and say what's really on your mind. Um, I feel like that's just that's just healthy, normal. So too much transience. Uh, causes a lot of pain, there's not enough trust, um, also insufficient role modeling. If you grow up in this culture of high mobility, then you're not going to have a lot of examples of what it looks like and feels like to progress through um, a relationship. Um, you're not going to see the older generation engaging in this uh, practice necessarily, um, just because they're going through the same thing uh, and you won't have a lot of peers uh, practicing this with you. Um, there's this theory of development, it's like the cultural theory of development that says basically like um, people get closer and closer to culture, like their, their true self, their inner self gets closer and closer to the culture around them um, as they grow and the culture teaches them who to be and how to be. Um, but if your culture is... Um, always on the go, and everybody's a little bit guarded and uh, a little bit uh, a little bit calloused. Then that's just what you're going to grow into. Um, so it could be that a lot of transience um, leads to insufficient role modeling. Just could be. Um, and so I think the and you know this is not a comprehensive list. These are just a couple personal thoughts of Stephen. You're welcome for free on why emotional availability may be difficult for some third culture kids to achieve. Um, and I think that I think that if emotional unavailability, if 
uh, a little bit of distancing, a little bit of um, playing your cards close to your chest, or perhaps not feeling your emotions very deeply at all, if that's your homeostasis, then um, you may even gravitate towards relationships that, uh, that support your homeostasis. Um, in other words, relationships that are not necessarily emotionally available. Um, or an emotionally unavailable person will uh, attract attract to an emotionally available person and it's sort of this opposites attract kind of thing uh, because you both think that you need each other and you're going to save each other and um, it's going to cause for some interesting relationship dynamics and that one person is going to be reaching out for emotional connection and the other person's going to be like give me my space take a step back weirdo <laughs> that kind of thing so I think it could be difficult for uh, some third culture kids to um, to be open and available, and I think that that if that's true, then that can place a lot of strain on relationships. And you're never going to feel your life um, as much as if you are in touch with your emotions. And yeah, I know some of those emotions are pain, and some of them are a lot of sadness, a whole whole lot of sadness. Um, but that's part of what makes life beautiful, right? Um, my mother had had this uh, black box with um, some bright white flowers uh, embroidered in it. And she had this black box speech that she would give that uh, the reason the flowers look so bright on the box is because the background is so black. And um, the, the, the thought that stuck with her with this box was that uh, life is beautiful because the background is a little bit dark. Um, but those bright, shining moments of joy and love and hope and peace and um, excitement, um, tranquility, um, connection, intimacy, all those things are so much brighter because the background is dark. And so um, to shut down on your emotions... I don't know if you can pick and choose um, the emotions that you that you want to feel. I kind of wonder if you kind of lose out on all of them after a while. Like if you get really good at tuning out from yourself, if you're going to tune out of all of your emotions, the good and the bad in life, instead of being this beautiful, dark, bright, contrasted, um, emotional... Um, real vulnerable experience is going to be a little bit more gray. Um, which, it's okay if that's what you need to survive in the moment, but you wouldn't want your whole life to turn out that way, right? Um, you want some color. And so I think that, um, I don't know, I, I really wanted to get to a place in the podcast where I talk about how to get out of emotional availability, but I don't know if I have um, a cure necessarily for this. Um, uh, go talk to your therapist. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, right? Um, I did think um, that I, I do have a couple of thoughts, perhaps uh, making friends and asking for feedback. Maybe not even making friends necessarily because you need to have some emotional availability in order to make friends but um, associating yourself with people and um, repeated exposure to the, the same set of people 
and then asking for feedback on what the relationship means to them and um, how you can do better at being emotional, um, um, match your matching your emotional reaction to these people around you appropriately. Um, if they're if they're shallow, if those they're superficial, this is something that's really bugged me over time. Because when I'm passing through an an, an environment, when I'm you know uh, only here for a couple of years, and I know I'm going to be gone, um, I feel like you know I don't have time to mess around. I don't have time to build trust, and so um, small talk really, really, really sucks. It's just the worst, and. Uh, the fact that everybody else is caught up in small talk and on the superficial level and I want to go deeper is a source of great frustration and yet it's a natural part of relationships and so um, in order to build emotional availability between people I wonder if we don't have to sort of play the game um, sometimes and uh, I wouldn't advocate for um, maintaining superficial relationships for years and years and years on end um, but starting out at the same superficial level that's, that everybody else around you is at. Um, and then working on um, increasing your emotional expression and um, how much you talk about yourself and your real feelings, that kind of thing, as you, as you build time together, as you, um, as you spend time together. Um, and then... Also, like you need to be in touch with your own feelings, which means you need to feel them. Um, you need to identify them. Uh, I don't know, maybe start journaling or something. Start journaling about your own experience and just get into your own head. Um, be honest with your, with your journal, as brutally honest as you can about what you feel about what's going on around you, what's going on inside of you. Because um, you have to start somewhere and a journal can be a pretty safe place to do that and it can also be just very very grounding and very um it can kind of suck you into the process and you find yourself being honest on an, uh, a level that you that may be difficult to achieve in um relationships with other people where there's so much more at play and there's so much more that you need to pay attention to like body language um as opposed to just being by yourself with your own thoughts uh, and your own soul in a journal um, so we do need emotional availability. Um, unfortunately, I'm not really sure how to get there. Um, talking to your therapist is not necessarily a joke. Um, could be a good idea. Um, may, spending time with people, um, asking for feedback, asking about the relationship itself, and um, uh, just spending spending time checking in with yourself and finding your own feelings um, being honest about what they are with yourself um, and then progressively gradually working into an emotionally real and honest relationship with other people around you um, that's my best bet still working on it myself um, I've got good people in my life I've got some really good friends really great relationships that I'm very grateful for um, where we can be real with each other and it's it's uh, it's a safe place so um, yeah if you have some thoughts on how to do this well, I would love to hear them. Please do reach out, tckcare.com slash connect. You can find all my contact information there. Um, I would love to hear from you. If there are TCKs listening in who would like to share their stories on the podcast, I'm always looking for new people to reach out to. As always, a huge thank you to my uh, 
my financial partners, uh, people who give, uh, people who give through Patreon, Anchor, etc., um, make this podcast possible. Um, they are the backbone of the podcast, and I really appreciate that. So please do check check out my Patreon page, Patreon.com/tckcare. Um, check out tckcare.com for more information about me and the show. And as always, stay tuned. I'll be back next week, and we'll keep talking about the third culture kid experience, what it means to be third culture kids, what it means to live life well, because that's the goal. All right, love you guys, and I'm out.